Hello and welcome to the Qubit Guy podcast, brought to you by Classic, the company that's taking quantum software to a higher level. My name is Yuval, and my guest today is Brian Lanahan, founder and chair of the Quantum Strategy Institute. Brian and I spoke about his new book, Quantum Excellence, what companies are doing to be successful in quantum computing, what has changed in the industry since his first quantum book, and much more. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please let us know how we did by emailing hello at classic.io. That's hello at classiq.io. Hello, Brian, and thanks for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Yuval. So, Brian, you are a second-time guest on this podcast, but for those that don't remember, who are you and what do you do? Uh, thank you again, and I'm thrilled to be back. Uh, my name is Brian Lenahan. I'm the founder and chair of the Quantum Strategy Institute. Uh, and I'm also a five-time author of uh, books about artificial intelligence and quantum computing. And you've got a uh, another a new book coming out, right? Tell me about that, please. Yeah, b- book number six is called Quantum Excellence, and it's you know it's it's uh, meant to be timed for the industry to talk about how leading companies are actually deploying the technology. Quite often, we hear in the industry that question of hype versus um, you know, caution. And what I'm trying to do here in this book is talk about instances where companies are actually deploying it incrementally, iteratively, achieving some early results. But we're not talking about, you know, the fault tolerant quantum computer in 2022. We're talking about, you know, where companies are actually starting to see some returns, whether that's in the automotive industry or in finance or in transportation, or starting to see some of those small incremental returns. What's challenging for the industry, of course, is that they don't get to see all of these examples. And so they quite often focus on where the areas where it doesn't work. So while I'm not trying to hype the industry, my intention here is to show some examples for other industries to take a look at or other competitors to take a look at and say, hmm, that's interesting. We should put quantum on our roadmap in some way, shape or form. Now, the book is called Quantum Excellence, and this reminds me of a very famous business book from many years ago. It was called In Search of Excellence, and it looked at best practices from, I think, seven different companies and tried to draw common threads across them. So what are the common threads that you're seeing in quantum excellence? How generically should one go about deploying quantum successfully in the organization? So I have that book sitting on my desk, uh, you know, probably since the time it was published, um, because I really enjoy the graphic examples uh, and the depth of understanding within those cases. Um, not to suggest that they were the only ones, but those were great uh, graphical representations of companies that were doing good things. And the same thing applies for quantum excellence, because, you know, there are companies that are out there saying, we recognize that um, we can leverage uh, quantum as, for example, a hybrid environment where we've made massive investments in our classical computing capabilities and we're starting to do comparisons with the quantum capabilities to see where we may achieve benefit. And so we know that any, uh, as, a, as a former banker, you know, we spent a great deal of time on any given classic uh, conventional computing project, you know, quite often that the 
the uh, industry paradigm was this will take two years, you know, so, you know, for any given project. So we want to make sure that people are starting to think about quantum today. So just get it on your roadmap, number one. Number two, the most successful companies are the ones that are actually uh, identifying champions within their organization, whether that's at the C-suite or other levels where they're actually uh, embracing quantum technologies and understanding where the business cases or the use cases and applications are coming in. And then I guess what I would say to that as well is, you know, understanding the priorities of the business. Where is the most important, maybe most challenging uh, uh issues? Is it in portfolio optimization? Is it in cargo optimization? You know, is it in some other area? We, we saw the example from the LA ports just recently, um, where they were able to change the direction of where the actual cargo moving machines would move to and improve the overall time of, um, of the uh, cargo transmission. So excellent examples there. So, you know, those are three of the principles that we're seeing, but also setting expectations. If the organization believes it's going to get massive improvement overnight from quantum technologies, they've already fallen behind. They really do need to understand that this is an incremental or iterative approach. Christopher Savwas from Zapata says that all the time, that this is an incremental, you know, iterative uh, transition for the technology. We did a couple of case studies interviewing, uh, I think it was uh, Marsan from AXA, a big insurance company in Europe, uh, Matt Versaggi, who you know well, of course, from Optum. And one of the things that I heard is that they are taking great pains in building uh, internal support and broadening the range of people that understand quantum. There, uh, a lot of internal training, even if you're not going to use quantum right now, understand the opportunity, understand the pitfalls, understand the reality of quantum computers today. Do you see that in the companies that you covered as well? I absolutely see it. It's not just a matter of having, um, you know, PhDs on your team. You need a much broader skill set. Certainly Matt would speak to this where um, you have individuals in the organization who understand sufficiently enough about quantum capabilities to be able to look for those uh, examples or use cases within their organization. I recently did a series on LinkedIn about quantum storytelling. And this, believe it or not, is a very rare art where people can actually wrap their heads around the business prospects or the business issues, whether that be marketing or HR or um, you know customer interventions. Uh, as well as the technology. So, you know, the and people like um, Connor Johnson and Connor Teague in the recruiting side of quantum would tell you very much that it's not simply PhDs that are in demand. It's other people who can actually tell the story of quantum internally to make meaning of it. One of the unfortunate things about In Search of Excellence, if we just go back to the previous book, is that the companies that were profiled there as the sort of the epitome of success are no longer successful today. I think most of them or all of them have since sort of uh, gone down a couple of notches. Are you worried that early adopters of quantum will be too early? If you take a look at uh, the top 100 uh, capital market stocks over the last five decades, 
every single decade that those companies have changed. You know, whether it was, you know, Xerox or General Electric uh, or Exxon, um, you know, now it's the big tech companies. Evolution always occurs. The question for an individual company is, you know, what advantage can they get from quantum technologies? And so whether their goal is being, you know, in the FTSE 100 or something else, you know, uh, we will always see an evolution of those companies because, you know, here we are talking about quantum technology. What's the possibility that we're going to have some next level of technology that someone else will supersede? We already heard about P-bits, you know, probabilistic uh, bits, uh, which is a whole new type of, you know, computing. Um, so, you know, Right now, here we are in 2022, there's a long runway ahead for quantum. As you mentioned, this is your second book about quantum. I guess the first one was, what is quantum computing? And now this talks about how to deploy it. As you think about the industry at the time you wrote the first book and the time that wrote the second book, what has changed? What has surprised you the most in that time? So it's interesting you ask that question because I hearken back to five years ago when I started in the world of artificial intelligence. And at the earliest stages, I had to explain to people what artificial intelligence was, let alone what benefits it could possibly bring. And so that over maybe a two year span transitioned quickly into that second question. Okay, Brian, I understand that you're talking about artificial intelligence, but what can it do for our company? Two years ago, the same questions were being asked about what is quantum. And I would suggest to you for the majority of companies today, they are still asking that question. But for those who are, uh, already have that, that lead or that competitive thought leadership around quantum, they're well past the what is quantum stage. They're now looking at those use cases, building teams, internal and external vendor relationships like those with Classic, for example, you know, where they're uh, benefiting from that next level. So when I wrote Quantum Boost back in 2021, early 2021, people were still asking the question, what is quantum? What, are the what do you mean by modalities? You know, how would we even think about starting to adopt this kind of technology? Whereas now, fast forward a year, we're starting to see much more practical uh, focus on quantum. We love to talk about successes, but... For every success, there's probably a company that failed. Have you seen companies that have failed in adopting quantum? And if so, what were the root causes of this failure? I mean, I guess failure might be, it doesn't work for us, we'll try again in five years or something. But um, what have you seen as the root cause of failures? You know, so you may see that on the smaller end. What I'm seeing in the midsize and larger uh, entities in the quantum ecosystem is they're starting to partner. They're starting to realize that they have um, skill sets or product offerings um, or rather they don't have those things. So they're looking to other organizations, whether maybe it's a, an investment perspective, a funding application, you know, they're looking for partners to round out their capabilities. We saw uh, Honeywell and Cambridge come together in continuum to increase their stack. We're seeing a bunch of other, uh, whether you call it acquisitions or mergers, um, where those skills, that those uh, increased funding uh, capabilities are coming together. 
So I think it's too early to see uh, a great deal of what we might call failures. Um, I think we're, we're seeing that other trend today where we're seeing companies come together to meet market requirements. Let's talk about people. You mentioned, obviously, people, uh, companies do need the PhDs, but they also need those business translators to be able to tell the story, to communicate from the business people to the technical folks and so on. And I think there's a consensus that there is a talent problem. It's not whether there is one, but there is one. It's almost like um, 15 years ago, maybe people were unsure if there is a climate problem. And now there seems to be a consensus that there is one. So let's assume that there is a talent problem. What do you think companies should do to address it? So uh, number one, I'm going to address the question you know, about is there a talent problem? Um, at every conference I've been at, and I heard another speaker do this um, very recently saying that he was the fourth speaker in, a, in the lineup and every single speaker before him had talked about quantum talent gaps. Um, so uh, those people who are in the environment are actually experiencing those challenges. So I 100% believe there is a talent gap. Um, in terms of addressing those things, uh, if you take a look at um, something like um, uh, the uh, organ Curica, the organization that Araceli uh, Venegas Gomez uh, leads, uh, she does large-scale reviews of available educational programs, whether it's at the master's level or the PhD level and geographically. Um, so if you're a company who's thinking about where can I find the best kind of education available, you know, that's one great source to go to because it's so holistic uh, and it's, you know, provided on a regional basis. In a more generic way, you know, I would say that um, you know, I talk to large corporations. Um, I do speeches for them, talk about quantum. We talk about it at different levels. Um, each person who is listening in on those sessions uh, is interested in quantum at a different level. Some people are very interested in a strategic level. Other people like system architects or data scientists are much more interested at a deeper algorithmic level. So what we really have to do in the organizations is, you know, address education about quantum at the level that's appropriate for those employees. Brian, you're from the Quantum Strategy Institute. Um, could you tell us a little bit about the Institute? What do you do? How do people get involved? What are your goals? Absolutely. Um, when um, I started going to conferences about three years ago for quantum, um, most of the presenters were academics or vendors or researchers uh, talking about their wares. There was very little participation on the part of consuming organizations. And so for me, when I uh, looked at that, I thought, you know, there's an opportunity here to help consumer organizations understand the technology, but also understand how to successfully adopt it. But there was a lot of white space, Yuval, in terms of people addressing those needs. And so when I started to speak to my network, uh, a lot of those people agreed that that was a, uh, a gap that was existing. And vendors couldn't necessarily close it by themselves quickly enough in terms of addressing the broader consumer uh, environment. So I started bringing together a number of experts um, from various different areas in terms of uh, security, financial institutions, insurance, um, um, and uh, 
existing quantum vendors um, to help people think about, uh, especially business leaders, think about quantum in a way that was digestible for them. So common language, um, things that are talked about their business priorities. So today, Quantum Strategy Institute is almost a year old. Uh, it is a not-for-profit organization that includes about 20 people uh, who are for, who form a global think tank, people from uh, India, from Brazil, from the UK, um, all over, uh, and from the North America, uh, all over, who bring together their knowledge. And so you've all, our purpose here really is to uh, accelerate the adoption of quantum technologies around the world, whether that's communication, sensing, or computing. I can't wait for the sequel, the Quantum Implementation Institute, after you figure out the strategy. <laughs> Not to mention the sequel or the movie version of your book. So, so Brian, how can people get in touch with you to inquire about the sequel or to learn more about what you're doing? Absolutely. Well, um, uh, as you know, Yuval, I'm an active person on LinkedIn. Usually I'm uh, uh, posting uh, every day or every other day, so they're welcome to connect with me via LinkedIn. Um, and certainly they can go to quantumstrategyinstitute.com uh, to learn more about the Institute. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you.